0: Been a good day, right? Well, as we, uh, as we get started this morning, um, I feel I have a responsibility. And uh, that is to acknowledge some good work that's happened this week. Uh, your Kankakee first softball team. <laughs> Monday night champions. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Go ahead. And then Tuesday, Tuesday night, we've got two teams. And uh, they were both in the silver bracket. I'm sure you can crack that code. Uh, One team was the sixth seed out of six, the Cinderella team. And that would be the team that I was on. And we were resilient and fought our way all the way to the championship game of the silver bracket against the other Kankakee First team. Yeah, and by the time we got there, uh, we decided it was up to us to practice our K-1 values. And we showed profound humility. And we were radically generous in the amount of runs that we gave to them. And so uh, we did not come out on top, but we're thankful for the other guys that that did. Had a lot of fun this year. And uh, I think it's good for us to remember in the midst of uh, Christian life, this is good, what we have going on right here. But it doesn't stop here. Everything we do here is to go out and live it out, right? And, uh, and so I'm thankful for the leadership of uh, Butch Stafford and for the way he's mentored and, uh, and helped out our guys, and for uh, Trent Bontrager, for Kyle Eastman, led one of the teams, and uh, Matt McAllister, and the iconic David Durag-Cadle, uh, who... <laughs> Uh, who did a great job. So thanks to you guys and for, uh, for all the work that you're doing. Today we are going to talk about what it means to love the Lord with all our mind. And this continues on in this, this series of Holy Living. And so uh, being in week four, uh, I, I think you probably know uh, the verse that we're going to talk about. All right. So I'm going to pull it, uh, an Andrew and we're going to put it up on the screen and we're going to read it together. All right. So uh, it's up there. Let's read it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. There is no commandment greater than these. All of the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. This is a message that transforms us. Our hearts are his. He's the one that's in the driver's seat. We fix our minds on him. We work hard for the kingdom. And we love everyone that we come into contact with. This is a transforming concept that affects every person that calls themselves a follower of Christ. Last week we we talked about the children's game, follow the leader. That if if somebody said, I don't know what it means to follow Jesus. And they said, I'm going to model my life after you. And they did everything the same way that you do it. Are they going to end up at Jesus? Or are they going to end up somewhere else? Are they going to end up as a, maybe as a really good person, but no relationship with Jesus? Uh, maybe a really good church person, but no relationship with Jesus? I don't care what generation Nazarene you are. I don't care how long you've been a Sunday school teacher. I don't care how long you've sang in the choir. I don't even care if you're a pastor. As followers of Jesus, we are called to a transformed life where we have traded in our lives, our desires, our priorities, our habits, our hobbies, fill in the blank, whatever you want to put in there, and we take on his way of life. We deny ourselves. We take up our cross and we follow him. That kind of action leads to a full life change that's rooted in Christ and guided by his Holy Spirit. Now, in our culture, this passage we've been discussing presents a challenge. We live in the uh, kind of the self-help, DIY generation, do-it-yourself, anything you want to do. There's a YouTube video to show you how. Uh, I've taken on some things I should not have. Uh, but, you know, you give it a shot because that's what we do. And if we're not careful, this process can kind of turn into a DIY uh, Christian checklist. i got to give my heart. i got to sacrifice my soul. i got to renew my mind and do everything I have with the kingdom in mind. But it's not a process that works like an assembly line. These aren't check boxes that we have to check off. If you complete all of these steps in a robotic fashion with no inward work of the Holy Spirit, what good is it? What's changed? You can show up to church every time the doors are open. You can throw money in the offering plate. And please keep doing those two things. But in and of themselves, they don't make us Christian. This process, heart, soul, mind, and strength, has to be rooted in being yielded to the Holy Spirit. Today we're going to talk about what that means. To be rooted in the Holy Spirit and how this helps us in being renewed and transformed in our minds. And so our passage that we're going to use for that is Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says this: therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Therefore, I urge you, brothers. So it starts out with that word, therefore. Anytime I see therefore, I want to know what it's there for. I want to know what came before it that's compelling me to do this action that I'm supposed to do. So we back it up a little bit, and it says this in verse 33 of chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, I love that. The depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, a mind too great for us to comprehend, that it's from him and through him and for him that all things were made. It's out of this knowledge and out of this love and this provision that the writer Paul implores us to give of ourselves. That's why we do what we do. And this is who we give to, an almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful God, creator and sustainer of all. Therefore, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies. So that's action, right? Something has to be done there. And it can be looked at several different ways. Uh, one of those might be to see it as a service statement. That there's an action that I have to do. I have to offer my body. Let God use my, my, my body and my actions in any way that he wants to. And this is our spiritual act of worship. That this passage is commissioning in us to work for the kingdom. Now next week we're going to talk about what it means to love the Lord uh, with all of our strength. And, and we'll dive into that. A little bit more. By the way, it's been really interesting to me how many people say. So, what are you preaching on this week? Have you not picked up that we're going through this verse? Like strength next week, and then neighbor. Just in case you were wondering. In this passage, I see something different. Instead of offer your bodies as living sacrifices, go and do deeds. Offer your whole self to God as a constant sacrifice. Give of yourself to him, not just his work. Before God does anything through you, he wants you to know him. I mean, he already knows you. He wants you to give yourself to him so you can know what he is like. It's in his presence that we encounter holiness. When you encounter a holy God, you cannot help but be changed. You start seeing people like Jesus does. Your worldview begins to change because you want what he wants. When you take on the mind of Christ and you start to think with a kingdom focus and not an earthly focus, life transformation takes place. It's not just about the things we do for God, it's about knowing him. And if we want the work we do as a church to have eternal significance, it has to be rooted in him. If we want the things that we're doing that are noticeable in public, to have an impact, we have to be willing to do the hard things that no one else sees in order to get there. Um, I've got a friend. Uh, his name is Lloyd. Uh, he pastors a church in Pekin, Illinois. It's a church of about 800 plus, and Lloyd's a pretty tremendous guy. Um, let me give you an example on a, uh, on a Sunday morning where he does membership. It's very similar to what uh, we would do here. Line everybody up, you know, and he might have 20 or 30 people that he's taking in that day. And uh, he'll start out with, with the ritual and lead them through the covenants and the back and forth. And do you? Yes, I do. Do you? Yes, we do. All that sort of stuff. And then he'll move down to the floor. And he'll start here and he'll just work his way down and he'll introduce the person. He'll kind of say something uh, about them. Maybe that's unique to them, whether it's uh, a hobby they have, something they enjoy, their family, their job. Uh, and then he'll talk about where they're plugged in in a place of service in the church. He goes all the way down the line. Memorized. He doesn't have note cards in front of him. He doesn't uh, have any... I don't even know that he really prepares a whole lot of notes ahead of time because he knows his people. And I heard him talking about this in a pastor's meeting once, and I'm like, man, that is phenomenal. Like, that's amazing that you could do that. And he said, one of his, and so I was glad I didn't say this to him afterwards, because he said, one of my biggest frustrations is when people come up to me and say, man, that's an incredible gift that you have. I could never do something like that. He said, it's not a gift for me. I work really, really hard. I have one-on-one conversations with people. I'll, I'll go visit them in their home. I'll go visit them in the hospital. The guy studies the church directory. He memorizes the pictures in the church directory so that if he sees somebody in the foyer, he can call them by name. He knows that if he wants to have an impactful public ministry, he has to do the things in private that are going to allow him to do so. The same is true in the Christian life. We need the regular quality and quantity of time with God that will assure us the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Do you find that difficult? Is quiet a normal part of your life? Any parents with kids under the age of ten? I'm told that as they get older it it becomes more quiet. You know, the teenagers they just don't even want to talk to you anymore, you know. (laughs) But that brings other problems. So I'll just I'll stick with where I'm at for now. I'm I'm good with that. But far too often devoted time with God is seen as optional, but it's foundational. We can't experience the fullness that God has for us as believers if we're not personally investing in our walk with him. It's the time alone with God that sharpens the focus of our priorities and opens us to receive God's presence and power. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. What is the pattern of this world? How would you define that? Do not conform to the pattern. I woke up thinking about that this morning. See, we might jump directly into kind of the church as a whole. The church shouldn't conform to the pattern of this world. And it's a delicate balance to remain culturally relevant, but to not become the culture. Something, the, the church is in trouble in that way. And I'm not just talking locally, I'm talking bigger picture. That the church is just modeling culture too much. We're just trying to copy what they're doing, have success with it, and we say things like, well, we've never done it that way before. I hate that line. Because we haven't always done it this way. Like, you realize there was a day where bringing a piano into the church was a really big deal? Because that's what they did at the bars. That's how they played the music at the bars. The hymns that Charles Wesley wrote the tunes of them were bar songs that he rewrote the lyrics to. Because he wanted the people that didn't know Jesus that came into their meetings to feel like they could participate. And so they wrote songs to the tunes with words that they could sing along with. Scandalous, right? When we, when we blow this up to the full church level, uh, we're kind of looking at the macro. Uh, We need to be looking at the micro. We are the church, right? So we got to get this right for us. If we get this right in our personal walks with Jesus, in turn, that will influence the broader impact of the church as a whole. So, what is the pattern of the world when we look at individuals? What do we see all around us? Striving for prosperity, climbing the ladder, 401k, uh, always being right, enjoy life. This life is your own. YOLO. I'm so relevant. Yeah. Our teens are like, this guy so gets us. (laughs) You're welcome. The pattern of the world summed up is whatever feels right, whatever feels good, do those things, because you can. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Rather, take on the mind of Christ. Philippians 2 says it this way. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like-minded, same love as Jesus, one in spirit and mind. Don't chase after the world. Show humility. Look out for others. Don't try to be God. The mind is a battleground. The world constantly bombards us with how we're supposed to operate. We have to fight. We have to protect our minds. We have to take on the mind of Christ. There should be a definite difference in the way the individual Christian operates versus the way the world operates, which will then change the way the church operates. How are we supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds? How do you experience renewal? I'll tell you one of the ways I do. I go to a Cubs game by myself. I get a scorecard. I sit with 40,000 people, and I don't talk to one of them. It's fantastic. It's good for me to to get out. As a as a pastor, as somebody that works in the church, it's so easy to get stuck inside the walls of the church. I like to smell cigar smoke. I like to smell cigarette smoke. I like to smell alcohol. I like to I like to hear the conversations that are happening around me. I hear language that I don't typically typically hear in the church. I listen to, to people, bosses that are entertaining clients and what's important to them. Helps me to see the depravity of the world that Jesus came to save. And in the midst of that, hopefully the Cubs win. There's other ways I like to renew as well. I like to read his word. I like to dialogue with other people. Sometimes that's believers, sometimes that's non-believers. You realize you can learn things from Non-believers. Just by having real conversation. Asking them where they're coming from, what their experiences have been, why they've ended up where they have. That it's not our job to change somebody's heart, that that's a work that God does. I like to talk to people from other faith backgrounds. Heaven's not just going to be the church of the Nazarene. We might feel like we've got it right. We just have a way of doing things. We're going to reach people that a church down the street's not going to reach. And they're going to reach people that we're not going to reach. We do well to have conversations with other people. I like to listen to sermons. I like to, I like to, look, uh, I like to watch movies. And I like to look for God in movies. I like allegory and finding, um, finding evil versus good. Um, I like to listen to music. Secular, Christian, look for truth intentionally. The method of renewal can be different for every person. And I want to say that so that you have freedom. We have freedom in Christ. Sometimes we feel like we have to stay boxed in, that we've got to stay inside these lines. But but God's the one that decides what those lines are. And as long as we're staying in tune with Him, that's what He's looking for. So some people read, some people retreat, some people discuss, some people watch videos, some people listen to music or podcasts, some people go on walks. I do not. The challenge is to make sure that you're open to how God wants to speak to you, that you're willing to do the hard work when it's needed because it's not always easy, and that in using these methods, you're truly seeking after Him and not just getting a little me time. Sometimes we see renewal as just needing downtime, me time. But what do you fill yourself up with during your downtime? We talked about this last week with our souls. Is your downtime filled with things that truly renew your soul and your mind? Or do you do things that push you farther away from God? You're just trying to escape reality for a little bit. What's filling your soul? What's draining your soul? When the soul is well, the mind is powerful. When we focus our times of renewal on being times where we can draw close to God closing out the noise, focusing on him, it's then that he can speak into our hearts. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. He's laid out in his word how we're supposed to live the Christian life, right? It's his will that we be obedient, that we would seek after him, that we would walk in his paths, and as we are renewed, it becomes easier and easier to see what those paths are to see where he's directing us. The renewed mind is able to stay focused on God and not the things that are happening around us. I want to go back to that phrase, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These are the results of the renewed mind. Sense the direction of the Holy Spirit. Not be shaken by the things of the world. Find peace in who God has created you to be and who he's calling you to be. Be transformed. It does take action on our part. It won't naturally occur. It's an intentional decision that's lived out in our actions. The natural tendency is inaction. Do nothing. Rest on our own abilities. Feel like, well, God has given me a mind to think, so I'm just going to trust that he's going to work through that. The transformed mind accepts and realizes that it takes effort to seek after God. It takes sacrifice to lay down my desires for his. It takes resolve to stay on the path that he has laid out for us. In the church, we have to be so careful to not run on our own ideas, but to constantly be renewed in our minds and our souls to seek after the Holy Spirit. Too much is at stake personally and corporately as a church, too much is at stake. A transformed mind is unified with God's mind, which calls for unity among the body. If you have an agenda not ordained by God that you want to see come to fruition, it's eventually going to fail. And the really scary thing is you could take some people with you. We have to fully submit ourselves to the work of of the Holy Spirit, saying this life, this church was yours from the start, it's going to be yours in the end, so what do you want to see happen? So what does this mean for us today? Do you feel like you're constantly running into the same problems? The first question I'd have is, are you seeking after him? Give of yourself to God and watch what he will do. Second, are you yielded to him, Will you let him move before you will? Think about when you come to a yield sign. What, what happens there? You have to kind of look both ways, and you have to decide if you're going to go or if there's somebody else that needs to go first. We have to do that. We've got to make sure that we don't blow through the intersection. We have to yield ourselves to what God wants to do. A mind that has been transformed from a worldly perspective to a kingdom perspective Is one that God can work in and through. This is his church. And it can only be all that he wants it to be as we give ourselves to him and give him room to work in our own lives. We're going to sing a closing song in a second. How are you renewing your mind and being transformed? Has there been any place of resistance for you in yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Would you just ask that God would be so good to reveal to you the places where you're not where he wants you to be? It can be painful. It can be awkward. But a transformed mind is able to say, how can I take on the mind of Christ? How can I see people, the church, and life circumstances from a Holy Spirit-led perspective? And as God is good and shows you where you can grow, what will you do with what's revealed? I want you to reflect as we sing. Feel free to come and pray. The staff's going to be standing up here after the service if you need someone to talk with. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. Surrender to him. Find peace for your mind today.